Number one, I told you, my wife's named it, so I better say Copenhagen. But I will say that for young people, because you don't need a car. Public transportation is fantastic. And as Austin, who's been there, will tell you, you can walk around, go down to the harbor. It's it's a young city. So I would say Copenhagen would be a very good place to go. Hey friends, this is Austin, and welcome to another episode of Gritty and Curious. Gritty and Curious is a podcast that gives you the inspiration, knowledge, and tools to start your next venture. Do you love traveling? Do you come back from a trip and you're already looking to book your next? The COVID-19 pandemic has been super tough for travelers. There's been lots of travel bans. Maybe you've had to cancel your trip. And you know, personally, I had to cancel my trips to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. In, I was supposed to leave on, leave on June 8th, and I, I also had a trip to go to Miami for spring break. And I've been working on getting my money back for that, but that's been a disaster. And, you know, if you had to cancel your trip as a result of COVID, I feel you. I had to, I had to cancel both these trips. My parents had to cancel their trips, and my grandparents had trips planned as well. And nobody's going anywhere right now. Everybody's staying put. I don't know what the future is going to look like, but it's crazy, though, because the people that were most affected by this, this no travel ban, have been my grandparents, Grandma and Big Bob. This is their hobby. This is what they do. They travel the world. They've been to Australia, Egypt, all over Europe. I've heard all of the stories. And if you know Big Bob, you know he's itching to get back to traveling and talking to people. I think he's been texting me nonstop every day since the beginning of quarantine, just asking me to come over for dinner, talking to me about different things, sending me stuff on Facebook. But anyway, a little bit of background on Big Bob, because you're probably like, who is this guy? He's my grandpa. He's 80 years old, but he acts like he's in his 20s. He's one of my best friends. He makes friends with everyone and anyone. If you know him, you understand what it's like. He is one of the most personable and charming people I know, and I aspire to be like him. And for a guy that loves interacting with people and traveling, the pandemic has been super tough because he hasn't been able to get that interaction. He hasn't been able to travel, and it's been tough. So I brought him on to talk about travel. But first, before we get into it, if you enjoy this episode or any prior episode of Gritty and Curious, please subscribe, follow, leave a rating, and write a quick review. By doing this, you let me know that you are listening, and it inspires me to keep creating. So we could have talked about a lot of different things, but you decided you wanted to talk about travel. Why are we talking about travel? Well, I've been traveling my whole life. And uh, I've been to different countries, and I love traveling. It's very interesting. My wife is from Denmark, so Europe has been great. And uh, we've been in 23 countries around the world, and I were in two more. I was in Korea and Japan. But let's talk about travel. So first, first question, why do you enjoy traveling? Okay. Growing up in Brooklyn, New York, we never had the money to travel. My favorite subjects in school were always geography and history. And I always loved about reading about other countries. And as I got older, I had the opportunity to visit some of the countries that I read about. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, you know, you're, you're learning about history, you're learning about you know, social studies and stuff. And then you have the opportunity to go to these places. So among all the places that you've been to, what was your favorite travel location and why? Well, I've been to many places I love, but the one country I went to, the reason I went there was my neighbor is a travel agent and the government of Egypt had contacted him. They were looking for American tourism and they asked me and my wife, who is Danish, but she loves to travel too, and we decided we're going to go to Egypt. And I loved Egypt, as I told you, I loved history. So here, here's about Egypt. When we got to Egypt, we were fortunate. We had a guide with us, a government guide, who took us around. And we went to the three pyramids of Giza, the Valley of the Kings. We were in the Great Sphinx of Giza. and. We sailed the Nile, and then, as an added aspect of our trip, we got the chance to go to the Azhar Mosque, 
which is the biggest mosque in Cairo. We went to the cryptic church and to a Jewish synagogue. And these are places that tourists don't go. Uh, and they were all heavily guarded. And it was really interesting. And we also went to the Egyptian Museum, which was fantastic. And we had a guide with us. In certain places, we picked up two young fellas, met us at our hotel, and they had to take us when we went through Cairo. It was very dangerous then. Explain what those guys were like. They actually were government uh, police, like Secret Service. They carried machine guns under their coats, and it was really interesting. Wherever we went, they had the, a jeep in front of us, a, a military jeep. Well, it was actually an undercover military jeep and uh, with a siren if they wanted people to move. And it was an experience I'll never forget. We, they just took care of us. And you got to remember, when we left Egypt, to go home, two weeks later, the government was overthrown by the Muslim Brotherhood. And that was quite an experience in Egypt. Explain like the what Egypt was like before you went there and kind of what made you, you mentioned that your friend's a travel agent and he said that he wanted, they wanted more Americans to go to Egypt. But what made you think, oh, this is a good time to go with all the crazy stuff that's going on? Great question. I'm an adventurer and my wife is too. And we both figured this is a place normally we would never pick to go to because of the uh, danger of going there at that time. And uh, we decided, let's try it. And it turned out to be fantastic. There's other things we've seen there that were unbelievable. But I'm going to tell you, when I got back, I realized the whole time I was there, and this is really interesting, my friend and I were sitting talking, and we both said, you know, we never talked to an Egyptian woman the whole time we were there because they don't work in any of the hotels. They're not even the cleaners. Like in America, you'll see women behind the counter. Nowhere. They walk behind the men. They wore veils. It was, it was a cultural shock, but very interesting. And our guide, the sad thing was our guide, Ahmed, who, when I got home, he was a college student. And it was so sad. We got home and we were on the internet. We were conversing every other day. How were you talking to him? Through the internet. Uh, Facebook? I, Facebook, yeah. He was a great guy and he wanted to come to America. And the sad part was when the revolution, he was very much against what was going to happen. He knew, we talked about that, that the, company, that the, the government was in trouble. And I, I got to say something. I, we tried to get a hold of him. We even called the agency where he, uh, the government agency, and no one answered the, ever. And I, his, everything was erased. Interesting, but sad. So how was that like, you know, you're in this, this country and you're talking to this guy who is against what's going on and he has his own opinion. And how can, how... What was that like, you know, hearing what he was thinking and kind of coming up with your own opinion? Because you're taking this all in firsthand and you're there to, you know, you're talking to people. What was like the general feel like in Egypt at that time? At that time, when we were there, people were not congregating. You didn't see many people in the streets. It seemed Ahmad, he, he really told me like himself and his friends. He was only in his early 20s. And he said that his friends, they would get together in a private house with their girlfriends. They, they had girlfriends, but they couldn't show. You can't walk in the street with a girl if you're not married in Egypt. So it was kind of sad for him. And he loved America. He loved the democracy. He met through his, his job. He had met thousands and thousands of Americans. And he, he just, he wanted to come here so badly. And unfortunately, it, it, whatever happened over there when the Muslim Brotherhood took over the country, they had a revolution. But thank God, the Muslim Brotherhood didn't last that long. And then General Sisi, who at that time was the big general in Egypt, who's now the president of Egypt, they overthrew them. And he runs the country now.
Probably now I wouldn't be afraid to go over then. Now, I was never afraid, but it was curiosity. You know, how can a country run like this? And when you go there, you see, you thank God you live in America. So would you, you touched on this, would you go back to Egypt? Um, or is it a place like you just go one and time. see it? For me, it was a one-time shot. Uh, we've seen it. We we had a great time. I mean, we we went down the Nile. We took a boat down the Nile. We went by Luxor. We had we met terrific people. We were in a little group, and one of the couples was a Catholic, whose family lost everything. And he was a man from Tampa Bay, and his wife. They were much older than us. They were probably in their 70s at that time. And they went back to see their house, which was taken away from the government, took it away when the Muslim Brotherhood come. And then we had another young couple who actually was pregnant. <laughs> and they also were from there. And they were going back. And it was interesting. It was just interesting people. Those were the two couples that traveled with me and my uh, friend. So something that you always talk about, especially when you come back in your trips, it's not necessarily the things that you see, but it's the people that you're talking to and you're learning about the culture. Like, What did you enjoy the most about the people that you met in Egypt and the culture? Well, we didn't meet many of the local people because only in stores and shops. They're very kind. The people I met in the shops, you know, they're looking for your money, let's be honest. But the average person on the street will not talk to you. There's very, at that time, there was very little, there was no communication with anyone. You cannot walk over to someone in, in the street in Cairo and ask them anything. Was that because you're a tourist or was because, what was the deal? That's, it made no, no difference. The Ahmad told me, well, <laughs> he took us down, this is interesting. One day he said, I'm, I'm going to take you guys down to Fifth Avenue. It's called in Cairo. This was great. What do you mean Fifth Avenue? He said, you're going to see shops just like you see in New York. And I was shocked. I said, you're kidding. And we went down there. And then after we drove the two blocks, I said, Ahmed, who buys this here? He said, underneath these black veils, the young girls, they all dress like you do in America, when they when they go home, they just can't do it in the streets, and that's interesting. And I I can tell you a story about a friend of mine. I did a lot of traveling, and I had a friend of mine who was a flight attendant, and she got a, she left uh, United Airlines to go work for the Saudi government, and what she would do. It was a private jet that she worked for, and they would take trips from Saudi to Las Vegas. And these were all young Saudis on there. And when they would get on the plane, she told me the girls would be wearing their veils in the black. And as the plane got up, they'd all run to the bathroom. The plane had four bathrooms on it. And they changed, put lipstick and makeup. And she said when they came back, the same thing. They had to take off all their lipstick. It was, it was hysterical. So it gives you an idea of the society that Egypt was at that time. That's kind of, it's crazy. Like, you don't think about that at all. And it, it, you you don't experience that unless you go and, like, you're, you're the minority. You're the person that's not dressed in a veil. And you're mm-hmm. like, you know. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't even picture that. I would have to go there to go see it for myself. It's. It's unusual. It's. After you're there a while, you realize this is how they live. Unfortunately, the the women were treated horribly. I mean, you see five guys walking, and behind them would be the women with the carriages. Never see the guys walking on the same level, which was really, for me, was very odd. Yeah, you never see that if you're walking in New York ever. It's just completely different but the next thing I want to talk about is if you were 20 to 30 years old where would you go and why okay my favorite city of all I've been in is Melbourne Australia it's a young friendly 
city. The people love Americans. It's very safe. You can go out at night, no problem. You can walk around and it's just a great city. And it reminds me, truthfully, when I grew up in New York, in Brooklyn, I should say, New York, it reminds me of that. Everyone is friendly. My wife and I would go to an outdoor restaurant and sit down and we'd just be talking, the two of us, in every, every single restaurant we went to, just talking. Someone would say, excuse me, where are you from? And we'd say, uh, New Jersey. Oh my God, one day I want to go, go there. This happened to us in Melbourne so many times. And it's such an interesting city. It has everything for young people. I mean, really. And one of the things you're going to really get a kick out of, they have, a, a, it's an hour and a half away from Melbourne, and you should look it up. It's called Phillips Island. This was incredible. We decided to go there. We went in a little van, four, five couples, and we get to this island, and there stands, little stands, about 50 seats facing the water, the ocean. And I'm thinking to myself, what a ripoff this is. And we go sit in the stands, and it's about 6.45 in the evening. And a young lady comes out, and she says, uh, in the next 15, 20 minutes, uh, close to 1,000 penguins will come out of the water. And I said... There was an English guy sitting next to me, the both of us, we were kidding. I said, nothing's coming out of that water. And shocking. You can't take pictures, which is terrible, because then the penguins go back. They, they bring, the, they're laying their eggs, and they come to over a thousand penguins. And you're sitting in the stands, and they go right by the stands, waddling a sight that no one, everyone in this world should go see. It's great. Uh, and another thing about Melbourne, I want to tell you, the beaches are incredible. And what's interesting that I found, my wife and I would go to, the, we'd sit on, not on the beach, we'd sit on benches, and we'd see people from the offices come out, and they'd take off their jackets, the men, and they'd have a chair with them and lay down, business people, and then go back to the office. It was it's a great city, great food. There's a street called Ligon Street, which has about 30 restaurants, some of the best Italian restaurants. Of course, Melbourne has the, one of the largest Italian populations. Great city. And if I was 20, in my 20s, I'd go there. So I've heard a lot of these stories about the penguins, and every time like I hear the story, I laugh because it's... It's just funny to funny to think about thousands of penguins coming onto the beach. But another thing you always talk about when you talk about your trip to Australia is the flight. It's okay. th that's that's one thing. No, but like everybody says similar to what you're saying about you're talking about people to people like in Australia, they say, Oh, I'd love to go to America. If you ask anybody in America, everybody always wants to go to Australia, but it's the flight's too long, I don't want to do this. Talk about the flight. Okay. Um let me just go back to uh, when I was in school. Teacher, in, growing up in Brooklyn, the teacher would say to us, where would you like to visit? 90% of the kids in my class, this is amazing, would always say either Italy or France. And then I would go Australia. And my teacher would say, why Australia? And I had read about Australia, and I just said, I think it looks great, sounds great. And I had the opportunity to go there. And it turned out to be even better than I thought. It just, I'll give you one idea about Australia. Well, when we were in Melbourne, they have, it's called Anzac Day. Now, we didn't know anything about it. And we get the night before, we get back to the hotel and they tell us, look, tomorrow everything's closed. What? You cannot go. There's a, I love Starbucks. There's a Starbucks a block away. Nope. The hotel, no coffee, nothing. Did you know when you booked your trip that it was? This one day. No, I never heard of it. What it is, it's there July 4th. 
It's the com- it, it's the day when the war they celebrate veterans. It was amazing. We went outside the hotel and we were shocked. There were thousands, just like when I grew up, when we had the parades in New York, July 4th, it reminds me, everyone was in the street, young kids, parents, high school, college, little kids with flags from all, and then the interesting part, they have veterans from all the countries there that walked there, like the Korean veterans, all the veterans that fought, it's, it's the most amazing sight. My wife and I, we still today talk about that. And it was, it was in Melbourne? It was in Melbourne. It was just, you know, this, you can't describe the pride they have. And I don't know if people know this, but Australia has fought in every war with America, which is really interesting. I didn't know I, until I, I had went, no idea. I had no idea. And I was in Korea, and I learned that they were in Korea too. So it, it's interesting. It's funny because you you said that you know when your teacher would ask you when you were younger where do you want to go I was the same like I I remember doing a project I think it was like in second grade and they, everybody asked oh where do you want to go everybody said somewhere in Europe there were a few there was like me and one other girl that said Australia and we had this thing and you had to you know put pictures and everything I put koalas and like all this stuff but like I would I mean that's that's a place that I definitely I, want to go to I just got to tell you we went to a place and I have pictures of me and my wife with a koala holding a koala kangaroos it's just I I can't describe talk talk about the kangaroos oh the kangaroos are gorgeous they're so <laughs> funny they hop around but we had the baby kangaroos and I got a picture of me holding a baby kangaroo and the koala bear is unbelievable you know they live they live in the tree it's one of the few animals that doesn't need water because it, it gets from the leaves. I think they're called... Eucalyptus. Yeah, and, and they, they eat it. They're incredible. Little fuzzy things. It was just... That's why I love Australia. I mean, that's the reason. Things you don't see in any other country. And I advise all young people to go there because you'll get treated great. It is not an expensive country. And now, to get back what Austin asked me about the trip. Okay. But by the time we left our house and got to New, I'm talking about our house to Newark Airport, then we had to go, there's no direct flight, so you go from Newark to LA or San Francisco. The whole trip. What'd you guys do, San Francisco or LA? LA. And we had a, a four hour layover in LA. And then from there, 17 hours from LA to Melbourne and it was we got there we were what, tired what, what was the flight like the, you could lay down or like what was no no we, we didn't go first class because there was no our first class was booked and anyway it cost a fortune but uh we got uh bulkhead seats so no one was in front of us and it was great I mean I didn't have trouble my, my wife's she slept. I don't sleep that good on flights, although I've been on so many flights. But once you get there, can I tell you, it's worth the trip. And the secret is when you get there, do not go lay down. And we did. We got our bags to the hotel, and then we took a walk around. And it was just, that's what you got to do. Too many people, they get to the hotel and they fall asleep, and they sleep for 18 hours. And then they ruin the next day. But we, didn't, we don't do that any time we go on a long trip. As soon as you get to the hotel, get out. That's a tip. Yeah, well, I remember when we went to Denmark a few years back, we came in, and I don't know what time, it, we got there in the morning, and like we sat down and we were eating breakfast, and I remember Luke and I were so tired, we were sitting there, like just shoveling the food into our mouths, and we're like, I don't know how we're really gonna keep going. And I, like, I haven't traveled much, obviously, but I remember like that that process of like trying to keep your eyes open just sucks. Like I, yeah, I don't know. I, I agree know? with you, but you guys were great in Denmark, man. Riding around bicycles and all that. You guys were great. More, more bikes there than yeah. Than it's cars. amazing in the morning um, when you look, you walk down the street, especially when people going to work, to just come flying by you the bicycles. I mean, hundreds and hundreds, and then you go to a station. 
uh, um, train station and you see hundreds of bicycles. Everyone takes bicycles there. Just remember the gas. Three quarters of a gallon of gas when I was there was like $15, but three quarters when it was like $3 here, $2.50 here. So now you know. So let's talk about Denmark because you've been there more times than you can count. (laughs) Okay. Denmark, as I said, my wife is from Denmark and it's a beautiful, Copenhagen is a beautiful city. It's a walking city and great restaurants, everyone. And Austin and Luke were there who tell you everyone speaks English. My wife's whole family, speak, they speak, you know, you hear me talk. They speak proper English. They speak much better than me. You can do so many things. One thing was interesting, you can drink beer at 16 there. And Austin and Luke learned that very quickly. (laughs) But the country itself, culturally, is great. Uh, Tremendous museums and just things to see. The Viking, the history of the Vikings. We went with Austin and Luke. We took them, well, to a Viking ship place with a, it was incredible, you know, to see how a Viking ship was built. And the whole country, there's a town called Sigvor, which was magnificent. I mean, there's so many historical things in Denmark. And the history of the Vikings is really interesting. And people love Americans there. They really do. And it's one of the few countries in Europe where I found young and old, everyone speaks English, very intelligent, good people kind-hearted people. I think Austin and Luke found that out. Yeah. They went by themselves a lot of times without yeah. me. And uh, the girls look good too. <laughs> so now I want to talk about how you plan your trips because this is kind of like an overwhelming thing for a lot of people. Definitely for me because you, know, you think about where you want to go and then after that it's tough. So I guess walk, walk all of us through how you decide where you're going, and then how you start planning for it. Okay. Uh, my wife and I, who have, as I said, have traveled to so many countries, and we've learned the hard way. When we were younger, we went on tours with uh, companies, very good companies, but when we came back, we we realized, hey, this hotel... I don't want to stay at this hotel. I don't want to eat this food. This restaurant wasn't that great. So after I think we went on four trips with our friend to these places, we decided from that time on we're going ourselves. And here's what I'm going to tell you. And you, you young people will know it better than me. Go on the internet, research the country you want to go to. It's very easy. And I'm going to give you an idea. Go, like, one okay, we went to Norway recently. Never been to Norway, knew nothing about it. You know, I mean, what I read, and here's what I did. My wife and I, we researched the country. We learn about the sites we want to see, which is very important. You know, when you're on a tour with a group, to give you an idea, people go to Italy, and it's one of my favorite countries, and they go on the bus with 50 people and they ride by the Vatican and the bus driver has a microphone. He goes, that's the Vatican. Beautiful. Wow. And the bus stops in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and people can get out and take pictures and they go back in the bus. I never want to do that. Yeah. That's why we plan what we're going to do through the internet, the sites we want to see. So when we go there, we know exactly what we're going to see. And I'll make it easy for you. I'll do Italy, Rome, very easy. We wrote down, we want to go to the Vatican. Okay, when we planned our trip, we planned to go to the Vatican on this day. We want to go to the Colosseum. Okay, we did the same thing. Wherever we went, I love the Pantheon. It's one of my favorite places in the world to go to. And we went there. We walked around the country during the day. We met people. We went where we want to go, not where they want to take you. And sometimes where they want to take you is just 
not interesting to me. I'm not interested in sitting on a bus and point. I want to go in. I want to talk to the people. I want to have some fun. Right. And we've done that in every country we've been in, and we have never had a problem. So I would advise you, research, and this is a tip I'm giving you. Tuesday, if you're looking for travel, is the cheapest day for some reason, I don't know why, with airlines. Tuesdays. Tuesdays. To leave? Yep. It's crazy. Huh. I learned that through my years of traveling. And even in my corporate, in my company I work for, yeah. where I traveled constantly, I mean, I have over a million miles. I always book my own flight. We had a travel agent, and uh, I proved to my CEO that I can do it cheaper and stay in better. And remember, when you go to a hotel, pick out the hotel we, with a good location. And don't be fooled by people writing things on there. Go to different sites and check it out. And I'll give you some sites to go to. That's, okay. that's the secret. So you mentioned this a little bit, but like, what have you learned from booking trips, packing, uh, that you wish you would have known when you first started traveling? Because you talked about, you know, you started doing these group tours and it wasn't your thing and you wanted to do your own thing. But what are some other things you learned? Okay. <laughs> this is funny because packing. Most people pack, fill the suitcase. I did it. I used to do it. Trying to get as much clothes in there. And like every human being, there's certain clothes you like to wear. You wear. And I've learned that. You know, I've taken my bag and just bulging out, put things into my wife's, uh, what do you call it? This, you know, the travel bag and all yeah. that. And then come home from the trip and I realize, my God, you we've been away. Yeah, half of the clothes. Yeah, half of the clothes. So I would say, fill your suitcase, but just remember, you're only going to wear half of that stuff. And that's in hot weather, cold weather, no matter. I learned that. You know, I wear my giant shirt a couple of times. <laughs> On a 10-day trip, I wear my giant shirt three times. And I wear my Yankee shirt. <laughs> but, you know, and I, I see people at the hotel, the same thing. Maybe women, it's a little different. They may want a different outfit. But your sneakers, when you're walking around a town, any city in Europe or Asia, you're wearing sneakers, guys. You're not wearing shoes, right? Yeah. So you don't have to take nine pair of sneakers. People take. Yeah, but when you when you're sitting there packing, you're looking at all your stuff and like, oh, I, you know, I might wear this. And then you realize when you're done. I re we just we just came back from Arizona, like over winter break, and I remember I was packing my stuff, and Luke was looking at my stuff, and he's like, "That's all you're packing?" And I'm like, "Dude, I guarantee you, I'm not even going to touch half of this stuff." You you were very, very right because. Yeah. It's just, you know, when you have a suitcase, you think you have to put everything in there. Now, I know when I first started traveling, I would have three pairs, two pair of shoes, three sneakers. What the hell am I doing? I'm not wearing shoes. Yeah. Who wears shoes on a vacation? And that's one of the things that most people, when they make a mistake, that's what they do. And if you're going to a climate that's in the 70s, what are you bringing a sweater with you, you know? Just bring the light clothes like you would during the summer here. Yeah, and if, you need, if you need to get stuff, you can just you can, buy it there. And it stores open over there, too. Yeah. It's just something that you, you always overthink. Yeah, because, well, you're right. That's perfect analogy. You, you think you're going to need more because you, you want to be embarrassed. And I'm not embarrassed. I wear the same thing a couple of days in a row. I don't care. <laughs> Until you know. someone says... Are you, are you wearing that for the yeah. third time? Yeah. <laughs> then you always say, oh, excuse me. I have two giant shirts. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good... You can always lie about how many shirts you got. Except <laughs> if they got a hole in it, they see the holes. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, we, yeah, we covered packing. We covered booking trips. I think that the next thing I want to talk about is kind of the future of travel as a result of COVID. Okay. Because I had two trips booked. I was going to go to Miami and then I was going to go, you had a trip booked. My parents had a trip yeah. booked. I was going to go to Africa next month. And all of this stuff was canceled because of this disease. You know, how are people, when, when do you think things are going to go back to normal? Well, 
we just canceled a month trip to um, Nice, France, one of my favorite locations. And we were going to go from there to Italy and then to Denmark for one month. And we canceled because, of course, we can't go there. It's going to, I personally believe it's going to be till late past the summer, I think, for traveling. I think, like, uh, some cities, now I'm not talking, I'm talking about international travel. Now, I think certain cities, like, Certain states, Nebraska, Wyoming, you know, have... Not like very low density. Very people. low uh, population. It's very dense. Yeah. You know, there, I think, flights will come. But as far as, like, New York to L.A. or New York to Chicago, that's going to be a long time. Yeah. But I, I also think the most important thing... With, with the covert is to follow the rules. You know, uh, I'm sure soon certain airlines are going to be having, of course, great deals. But always think before you go anywhere, when you when you land, what is it going to be like over there? And I, I know in Europe, my wife and I were talking about it today. You know, when, when do you think we can go back? And the truth is, we realize... Until everything, everyone's given the green light, we're not going anywhere. And it's the same thing in Europe. I talk to uh, my relatives, my wife's relatives in Denmark. They're in the same city. The only good thing happened uh, in the next two weeks, they'll be opening up the schools, which is really great. But it'll be also the six-foot separation. In Denmark. Yeah, in Denmark, which, which other countries are all over. you got to remember, Denmark's a small country. But over here, travel, it's going to be a while. I was just looking at something that showed the density of people in Fort Lauderdale for spring break during the spring break week. And it was basically like it picked up all of the phone signals of people that weren't normally in that, you know, there. So it showed all the people who had traveled in. And me and my friends ended up canceling our trip. Some of our friends ended up going, and the people the people that ended up going ended up getting a lot of the crap for going because they were taking they were spreading the disease, doing whatever. I don't know, but it was really interesting because it showed all these people came to this one location and then spread all over the country. So it showed them like okay during this week, and then you saw you saw people from Fort Lauderdale to California to the middle of the country all the way up to New York into Maine and like it shows how quickly something like this can spread so when you talk about you know abiding to the rules it's important because you don't things can spread so quickly like we've seen with the news and everything I don't, I don't really watch the news anymore because it's just the same yeah. stuff over and over again if something important comes up I'll you know I'll pay attention think to about it. it one person just one person in Fort Lauderdale let's say you went with a group of your friends 20 guys and girls and you came back and one got the virus yeah i mean it only takes one and my my recommendation i know myself we really right now my wife and i we take walks um we have a mask and we live in a gated community and we don't go village excuse me <laughs> yeah we live in a goat village to be honest with you and a lot, some of the goats wear it, some don't. I don't wear the mask, but I stay always away from the other people. And uh, the sad part is racetracks are closed. Very sad. Okay, I just want to say that. I'm a big advocate of horse, horses. Yeah, and we'll, maybe maybe we'll do a, a future episode on that because that's that's a good topic. Once we get back to uh, regular pro programming and sports, we'll have a lot more stuff to talk about. Now we're gonna we're gonna kind of close it out with. Big Bob's favorite cities around the world. For young people. For, for young people to go to because this is something, you know, everybody, all my friends and we all graduated virtually. We're going to have our virtual commencement or whatever. And a lot of us wanted to travel. We're not sure when we're going to be able to get back to it. But when we do, we want some places to go. And Big Bob's been to a lot of, a lot of pretty unique places and he has a very good perspective on 
where young people should go because he literally talks to everybody all the time. And I look at the young people, and he especially does, the girls. Especially the girls. So, yeah, he's going to give his, his 10 best places and a, and a quick take on each place. Okay. Number one, I told you my wife's name is so I better say Copenhagen. But I will say that for young people, because you don't need a car, public transportation is fantastic. And as Austin, who's been there, will tell you, you can walk around, go down to the harbor. It's, it's a young city. So I would say Copenhagen would be a very good place to go. I agree. Okay, Melbourne, Australia, because it's a young city too. We've got everything that you would want. But I realize it's expensive to go because so far and things like that. But that would be my second, you know. My third one is Rome. Now, I love history and I love Rome. I love the people. Uh, I grew up with all Italian people myself, even though <laughs> I'm not Italian. And everything about Rome, the history, the the food, you walk around, it's just a beautiful city. And no matter how much you can look at it on TV or go online, you have to be there to see it. Okay. Then I'm going to give you another part of Italy. It's three cities, but they're right next to each other. It's called the Amalfi Coast. It's Priano, Passatano, and Amalfi. These are three cities that you can take public transportation. It's only 10 minutes away. My wife and I did it. Right on the water, absolutely beautiful cities, all three, and there's so much history in these three cities, and I love it. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to go. Then I'm gonna talk about, this is one I just went to last year. This is number five? Yeah, Bergen, Norway. See, this is some place that I wanted to go. If if I, you know, when I can eventually, I want to go to Norway. And we'll take it in. <laughs> Bergen, Norway is right on the water. Everything I talk is on the water. But Bergen was magnificent. We went, we took trains up to the mountains all the way up there. It was mind-boggling. Bergen is... The, I'll give you an idea. When you go to a restaurant in Bergen, um, the restaurants we went to are right on the water. And when you walk in, the fish are lined up. They line up all the fish, maybe 15 different fishes. Are they dead they're, or they're alive? Dead. And you pick it. Well, if they're alive, you pick the fish. I didn't know half of these fishes. You know, what do I know? I know salmon tuna. What <laughs> else do I know? And you pick your fish, and it was spectacular. I mean... We were there with uh, my wife's relatives, and we had the, the greatest time just walking around Bergen. It's, it's a wonderful city and a lot of young people and a lot of very good-looking girls. Not that I looked. Okay. Then it's become one of my favorite cities now, which really surprised me because I thought Paris was okay. It was okay. I wasn't thrilled with it. But Nice, France... It's called the French Riviera, and magnificent. It's all water, beaches, um, little restaurants, mom-and-pop restaurants that are fabulous. Young people all over. The beaches packed with young people. And I, I know you all like that. Then I'm going to give one we really enjoyed. It's the Czech Republic. It's Prague. It was very inexpensive historically beautiful. We went there, and this was after the communists had uh, left, but there were still certain rules, and one of the funny things happened to me. I wanted to take a picture of a cop. He was just standing there, so I went over to the camera, and he got, he got irate at me. You know, it was like, and then there was a, two young girls who were walking down the street, and I said to them, 
excuse me, why was he so mad at me? He said, that's the old regime. They're starting to learn now, you know, how things are. And it was really interesting. Yeah. And we, we went, we came home on the, on the plane with 16 uh, students from Prague who were coming to America to study um, basically government. And they explained a lot, a really nice country, friendly, very inexpensive. Then the next one is one of my favorites. I mean, Sydney, Australia. We didn't, uh, we didn't really talk about Sydney. We talked about Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne, because I love Melbourne. Yeah. Sydney's beautiful. And my wife has a little attachment to that because the Sydney Opera House was the most famous opera house in the world. Yeah. Was, was, uh, the architect was a Dane from Denmark. Uh, so it was interesting to see that. Our hotel was, oh, our hotel was right by the water, and all the restaurants there were on the water. How far is that from Melbourne? Uh, a couple of hours by plane, but it, it, it's a, it's a be- Sydney's a beautiful big city, and the people just like in Melbourne, nice. The reason Melbourne's more like, let's put it like this, a, a town where Sydney's like a, like New York. That's a good analogy. Sydney would be like living in New York. You know, it's... it's yeah, the there's, there's more stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, there's man. more. But Melbourne's more like young people. and You know. Well, and then I'm going to go to my last two. Barcelona, Spain. I would recommend for any young person. I've told Austin this many times. Barcelona is wonderful. Just to go... You walk through... Barcelona's one of the great walking cities it's just everything about it the people the it got a great history barcelona and it it has an unbelievable church the basilica which is probably the nicest church i've ever seen in my life it's hard to believe and the whole country it's nice very inexpensive if you want to travel to eat there you laugh how you know how cheap it is yeah, I we we would have before it was big in America and tapas. We would go there in this little cafe, sit down outside. I would recommend. And my last one is Florence, Spain. Uh, Florence, Italy. Tremendous city. Um, it's not Rome, but it's got everything for me. Uh, they have uh, one of the most beautiful churches in the world that I've ever seen. It's called the Domo. And they brought, this is hard to believe, all the, it's all marble, the whole outside of the church. It's like two blocks long. I mean, it was breathtaking. And we, we walked around there and it's just, Florence is just beautiful. There's so many things. There's different quarters you can go to and friendly people. Italy, all people are friendly. I didn't. I just want to say, of all these cities, you you hear some time about, you know, be careful of this, be careful of this. Never in my travels to the twenty three, well, twenty five, but two were in the military, to the twenty three countries I went to, did I ever, ever have any problem. And remember what I said when you travel, treat the people the way you would want to be treated, and that's the key. Don't come on as this big old American, you know, you know everything. And one of the most, can I talk about this was mm-hmm. One of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen in my life. We were in a restaurant in Italy and there was a, a guy came in with his wife and kids wearing Bermuda shorts, of course, which never wear. <laughs> uh, and it was, in Europe, it's a little different when you go into a restaurant, the waiter doesn't come running over to you, and you can stay in the restaurant for hours. And this guy kept raising his hand, calling, hey, waiter, come here, come here. I was so embarrassed. I mean, I was actually, I wanted to go over and smack him in his face, but I mean, I wouldn't do that. But it was, even his wife was embarrassed. And you gotta remember one thing, people don't eat at six and seven o'clock in Europe eight, nine, and and you, the table is yours. It's not a case of, there's another couple. Yeah, we gotta move you out. Yeah, no. And remember, I do it, but there's no tipping in Europe. 
Yeah, well, I it's remember all, we, it's were, all when we were in Denmark yeah. every time, like the nobody, I think we have a video of you tipping the guy. I always do. <laughs> yeah. No, and, I, I feel if the service is good, I don't care what the custom in the country that's charging for the tip, because they do, they add it. But I, I feel when the, and you've been with me, Austin, when the service is good, give them a couple of bucks. And then you come back there and they remember you. And believe me, we've been back to countries quite a bit. And my wife will, she'll tell you, they remember us because all I did was treat them nice, give a nice tip, and that's it. So Big Bob leaves us with a great point. You know, if you enjoy the service, you enjoy your experience and the people that you're around when you're traveling, make sure that you show them some love, give them a tip. It's funny, whenever we're out, he's... He's always talking to the waiter, waitress, and making friends with all of these people. And I think that's what makes traveling so great is that you meet so many great people. You're exposed to many different cultures. But anyway, I'm looking forward to getting back to traveling. I'm definitely going to take Big Bob's tips on the, the top 10 places to go for young people. Definitely want to make it back to Denmark, out to Australia. Um, those are a couple places on my bucket list. But anyway, if you want to get in contact with Big Bob, he would be more than happy to speak with you about traveling. He is full of answers. So if you have any any questions or anything, just hit me up and I'll put you in contact with him. He would love to love to talk to you about traveling or anything that any questions you may have as a result of the podcast. This has been the Gritty and Curious podcast podcast that gives you the inspiration, knowledge, and tools to start your next venture. If you enjoyed this podcast, you'd be the best if you subscribed, followed, left a rating, and wrote a quick review. By doing these things, you let me know you're listening and inspires me to keep creating. So thank you for that. Also, I recently started a LinkedIn group, the Greedy and Curious LinkedIn group. We have around 25 members right now, and it's focused on building a community of like-minded people, self-starters, entrepreneurs, creative people that are looking to start something. There's been a lot of engagement in it thus far, and if you're interested in joining, then just reach out to me or you can look it up on LinkedIn. You should be able to join through that as well. You can get every episode of Gritty and Curious wherever you listen to your podcast and on my website, grittyandcurious.com. Until next time, thank you guys for listening.